Welcome, Guardians. It's October 24th, 2015, and you're listening to Ghost Stories, a Destiny podcast. This is episode number four of Ghost Whispers, our short-form cast covering important topics in Destiny lore outside of our regular long-form podcast. Uh, and in this episode, we're going to tie together last week's uh, full Ghost Stories episode about the Hive and the Guardians' history with them and Eris. And this coming week's episode, which is, spoiler alert, about the Books of Sorrow. Uh, and there's only one real character that exists in the lore who's who's great enough to pull off such a thing, and that's that's my boy, uh, Toland the Ascendant. So this ghost whisper will be about Toland, uh, his sort of his history, his journal, and uh, potentially the future experiences we will have with him. Uh, I'm Drop Slash. I will be the fire team leader uh, for this episode, and I am joined this week by Beta Chieftain. Yep. How's it going? All right, so uh, I figured we break this down a little bit uh, into uh, three parts here. So we're, we'll take a look at at Toland the Shattered as we're sort of introduced to him. Uh, we'll take a look at his journal, and then we'll take a look at at Toland uh, as he appears to us now, or maybe appears is the wrong word there, but <laughs> as as he's been reaching out from beyond the as he's known now, at least by me. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I mean, we talked about Toland quite a bit in the last episode. Uh, yeah, we uh, we found that he was not the best Sherpa <laughs> for that raid. <laughs> or maybe he was the best. I mean, they made it all the way to the Death Singer, which, you know, isn't an easy feat, but... <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so first Crota... And that was Ariana 3 and Eris, and they sort of turned to Toland because of his vast knowledge of the Hive. Uh, and then, and do we know, Drop, where he gained that knowledge? I mean, I guess he says in the Grimoire that he gained it from the darkness, but do we know when or where or any of things like that? I don't know that we do. Uh, and it's interesting uh, because we come across characters like this quite a bit in the lore where they have this vast knowledge of a thing uh, and we have no, no idea how they gained such a knowledge of the thing. <laughs> That's uh, true. They just, it's sort of like deus ex machina. Oh, by the way, blank knows everything about blank. Yeah. Uh, and it's actually really interesting in Tolan's case, because when you start digging through the lore, you realize that, Man, nobody knows as much about the Hive as Tolan does. Uh, I mean, not Eris, not certainly not the Speaker. Uh, and you get a sense that not even the Hive themselves, I mean, they've been around for millennia, so who knows how they keep track of their own histories and stories. But Tolan seems to know so much about even the very origins of the Hive that that seem lost to even the Hive themselves. So it's kind of a, he's sort of a fascinating figure and he has this amazing sort of top-down view of this one particular species that we encounter so often. Right. And that's why, you know, he's known as the Shattered, which was a nickname that probably came from everyone thinking he'd gone mad. But in reality, you know, when you really look into what Tolan's saying and how he feels about things, I think it's less that he's gone mad and more that he has this he respect, but he's also kind of terrified of the hive. Yeah. And it, it, and really comes from just, yeah, this, this very unique perspective he has on really understanding where they came from and what they are and what they represent. Yeah. It seems like 
he it's one of those sort of like uh, existential dread things where you learn more and more about this horror and then you you realize like the the minusculality of your own existence in the face of this giant thing and then you start to like slowly go mad uh not because you're being driven insane but because it is overwhelming like crushing fear because <laughs> you have right. you have this knowledge of this thing uh it's all very sort of a and and it's so hard to explain to anyone else yes the same the same knowledge and so you go mad trying to explain it and, because it's just so so vast and he he mentions that a few times uh in the grimoire entries where he's like how can how can I explain this to you so that you'll understand it? Like it's so obvious and so simple, but you'll you won't understand it, and I can't explain it to you. So that's got to be incredibly frustrating <laughs> for somebody right. like Toland. And and we know that besides being incredibly knowledgeable um, and intelligent, he also seems to have been one of the most powerful warlocks that we've ever really encountered. Yeah, it's interesting here too. Uh, you know, we have there's two quests for uh, for warlocks here. It's called complete the path, one for Sunsinger and one for Voidwalker. And when you complete them both, you have two quotes, uh, one for each. Both are from Toland or from his journal, and it very much seems like Toland had mastered both the Sunsinger path and the Voidwalker path, uh, which seems to be a pretty unique feat. Uh, it seems like a lot of the characters that we're introduced to in Destiny have a very particular class that they're associated with, and our player character uh, is unique that they can shift between those different subclasses. But it seems like Toland was was very easily able to do that. Right, because, yeah, if you go back, uh, Saint-14, Defender Titan, Wei Ning was a Striker Titan, Ariana 3 was a Sunsinger. Practice Sunsinger Warlock. But yeah, it's always very specific to a very specific class. There's references. There's references to Shax being one of the greatest striker titans ever. Uh, so, but yeah, but now we have sort of Toland uh, existing, sort of being able to walk both those paths, which is super unique for him. And also, uh, and it's a good example of how we get these hints. You know, I've always wondered about, there's this quote from the speaker at the very beginning where he says there was a time when we were once much more powerful. Right. And I always found that line confusing because we are, as the Guardian character, we are ridiculously powerful. It's like, who really? There was a time when somebody, how did you wipe Takrota when we can solo him walking backwards <laughs> and never get hit once? Like, how were you more powerful? How did you lose? Uh, but then we encounter these characters like Toland. Uh, and Osiris, who we know, Toland was a contemporary of Osiris and sort of had this great admiration for him, that there were these incredible, powerful guardians that did exist once and they sort of had this uh, a downfall here. I'm sure it doesn't help that the speaker exiled both of them <laughs> from right, the tower. Right. It's like, there was a time when we were much more powerful, but then I kicked everybody out of the tower. Right. Well, and it make, it's interesting because just talking about the subclasses, you know, with the Taken King, we have all the new subclasses for each of the characters, and in most of them, we're chasing after some guardian or some, you know, someone who's no longer really a part of the tower, but who mastered these other classes. Yes. And yeah, and they're, and they're generally older. And so in that sense, yeah, it does seem like a while ago, you know, the early days of 
the city after the collapse. There were these guardians that had these new abilities that we're just learning now. But then there's this time when we lose them all. We get brought back by our ghost and the story begins. And then we're just barely now kind of rediscovering these old powerful techniques. It's interesting too, because so I, I have one of each character. Uh, so I played through all three of those subclass quests. Uh, and it very much seems that, you know, the, the Night Stalker hunter, they seem like they've always been around. They've just been kept in the extreme DL. They're like the, like the ninja spies. Right. Uh, and Cade is sort of, talks about how they're they're rare to begin with and they're it's super important that these uh these night stalker hunters uh that we don't lose them uh you know the i think that quest is a ranger lost uh and a ranger found it talks about the night stalker tevis right uh who seems like a dark guy in and of himself he's got some weird quotes associated with him but you know he was a friend of Cade Cade obviously trusted him a lot so it seems like Night Stalker is sort of like this hidden hidden group of like specialized hunters and then when you play through uh, the Stormcaller it seems like to me anyway that Ikora Ray has a really vast knowledge of what a Stormcaller is uh, and she talks in that quest about you know mastery of the arc energy and the storm and the lightning it's like okay it doesn't seem that uh unusual she's she has a knowledge there it doesn't seem like storm is a particularly hidden thing maybe we just hadn't encountered that up until this point uh and then we know that the uh sunbreakers are like a like a rogue group of titans yeah they left they left the city behind yeah so maybe because everyone who was powerful kept getting exiled and they were sick of it <laughs> well i mean with that whole thing taking place in the calor spires on mercury and you know, that close association there with Osiris and who knows, like right. maybe they, they're like they, Osiris. They might have followed him. <laughs> yeah. And we know and we know that Osiris had followers uh, where Toland did not. Toland kept very much to himself, was a very solitary character. Uh, he left the journal behind for anybody who could read it to read it, but he didn't, there wasn't a following around him like there was uh, Osiris. Right. And we know that he and Osiris sort of collaborated a bit, or they must have. Uh, we know that from the mission, the Shrine of Oryx, sort of that famous quote about... Uh, it, it's interesting because from the Cryptarch, he mentions Oryx, and from the Shrine of Oryx, obviously we learn about Oryx, mm -hmm. but in both those cases, it's Osiris that's actually teaching yes. us about Oryx, not Toland. So clearly they they collaborated a bit, and Osiris had a lot of knowledge that Toland most likely passed on to him. And then we know also from reading Grim Grimoire entries that uh, Toland wants to reach out to Osiris. Uh, Toland makes mention of of sort of like, quote, not a direct quote, but like keeping an eye on, on folks in the tower, popping into the tower and sort of like teasing them a bit. But he has a genuine interest in, in reaching out to Osiris, uh, sort of like as an old friend and contemporary and being like, hey, I got to this amazing place. There's things you need to know and things you need to see. Tolan's just so amazing because we learn he's also a gunsmith. And it's really, it's from his gun, the bad juju that he made that we first learn about the Books of Sorrow in the in the earlier base game. Yes. So it very much seems like 
that bad juju was uh, this sort of attempt by Tolan to create a weapon of sorrow. And we know the weapons of sorrow uh, are sort of these sort of weapons that have been infused with this dark power. Thorn is one of them. Uh, Necrochasm is one of them. And it very much seems like in his obsessions, you know, we know Tolan created an auto rifle prior to Bad Juju called Shadow Price, uh, which I still have an original of in my vault because I love everything Toland. Uh, and it seems like as you learn more and more about sort of the books of sorrow and the magic of the hives, like maybe I'm going to try and make one of these things. Uh, and that's where we get Bad Juju. And of all the weapons, I mean, Thorn is pretty notorious for what it is, but it's Bad Juju seems more like a weapon of sorrow than Necrochasm ever was. Uh, so he, he did a pretty good job on that one. Also, yeah. Bad bad Juju persisting into year two because it is an amazing, amazing weapon. Yes, it is. And so, and so moving forward, just I guess we know that he, in terms of the knowledge it, and how he knew about the Books of Sorrow and what we'll talk about on episode four of our main podcast with the books of sorrow is Tolan knew about the worms. Um, he, he didn't necessarily know quite the significance between them and the hive. It seems, but he knows their names. Um, yeah. So he know he knew four out of the five names. Uh, and he knows that those words are repeated as part of the death song. Uh, so if you, if anybody out there, has the soundtrack to the Taken King. The Death Singer's song is one of the tracks on that soundtrack. And you can hear the names of those gods repeated uh, in that death song. Toland knew that. He knew that song. Uh, and he knew there was more to it. Uh, so he knew how important that was. Uh, he knew that there were secrets hidden within that power. Uh, and he wanted it. He wanted to know. I think that part of that curiosity is what it drove him uh, and I'm sure when he was presented by Ariana 3 for a chance to, to go down there, uh, he jumped at that opportunity. Right. Because, yeah, we know that he knew about the Deaf Singer song before he ever went into the pit. Yes. And so, yeah, that was really – killing Crota was much less important to him than learning the Deaf Singer song. And and it's slightly out of order. We can come back to this. but And, I mean, the song was so important to him because that's where he transitions from – Toland the Shattered to Toland the Ascended. Yes. Because he, he does die, but then he's redefined and he discovers this new ascended state. Yeah. And he, he even mentions, I think it's in, it's not, I think it is, it's in Ghost Fragment Hive 4, where he talks about the names of the worm gods. Uh, and he says, beings the hive perhaps owe their very existence to. And that is true. But that knowledge is millennia old. Like that is that must be one of the, the greatest hidden secrets of the Hive is their origin story. Uh, and Toland had discerned it. Toland had discerned that before he ever even went down there. Uh, again, where he got this knowledge, I do not know. Right, and uh, and this is pure speculation, but I, I we know he said he talked to the darkness. And whether, yes. but it's interesting, you know, did he commune with the darkness through a worm larva? Did he commune with it we don't know what happened to Oryx's sisters. You know, it, it's just, and it's all speculation and we don't know, but it's just, it is really interesting to think about who told him about the books of sorrow and all this ancient knowledge because 
it had to have been someone ancient. Yeah, but it's again, this is one of those areas where I relate to Tolan a bit, where he is he has devoted himself to diving deep and uncovering this <laughs> hidden this hidden lore and hidden knowledge about a thing because he wants to know about it so badly and he's so passionate about it. And we, we kind of do the same thing, right? And and then the most important artifact we have now from Toland is his journal in that we know that he recorded all this information. He he was smart. He recorded it all in a journal. And we know that that journal, or at least a copy of it passed into Eris hands um, when she, when she was stranded uh, on the moon. This is one of Toland's, one of the things that differentiates Toland, I think from so many other characters that we encounter in the lore, Toland documented everything. And then he made that available. Like, you know, he never hid himself like Osiris does. Uh, he's not vague about his information like the speaker is. He doesn't, he doesn't talk in riddles. He doesn't, you know, hide messages. Toland wrote it all down and said, here, take this, read anybody, take this, read this, know these things that I have discovered. And he was very quick to, to give that information to people. Right, and uh, he w- and in, he wanted people to have that journal and know about all this. Right, and slightly spoilerish, but in the in the grimoire that's associated with Oryx being defeated and rebuked in the raid, he he encourages us to seek out that knowledge. Yes. His his greatest desire really is to seek knowledge, and then he wants everyone else to follow him. Yes, and then so and like you mentioned, uh, and we learn this in the mission Lost to Light. Uh, Eris says, hold fast to Tolan's journal. It saw me through my time in the dark. And it's sort of here we realize that probably a huge portion of what Eris knows about the hive comes from Toland. Uh, and maybe not necessarily, I mean, obviously she learned a lot from being trapped down in their tunnels, uh, but you can only learn so much when you're scared and hiding for your life. But she had a lot of very personal time with Tolan's journal, and I'm sure she learned a lot about it. Uh, and even in Last Rites, uh, at the end of that mission where she teleports us out, she mentions that that was one of Tolan's tricks. And it's here where you're like, geez, like the ability to teleport somebody out of a hive throne world is a trick. <laughs> like, And it's a trick you learned secondhand from a book you were given by this other dude that dude being Toland. Toland must have unbelievable abilities and powers uh, if that sort of teleportation is just a trick that somebody else can learn from reading his book. Right, right. And and speaking of tricks, and, and we can come back to this in episode four, um, There's there's been theories, and these are only theories, that in The Taken King, the spark of light that we so often see in the first mission on Mars and in the raid even, um, that the spark of light may be Toland or it may be one of Toland's tricks. This is one of my favorite theories in the game right now, just because it's backed by a bunch of information. Uh, and when you start looking into it, really, uh, it, I started realizing it when I was talking, when I was talking to somebody about the t- being torn between dimensions at the end of the raid, where that ability is not particularly attributed to the Death Singers or to Oryx himself. That being torn between dimensions is the exact state that Toland exists in right now. And then once you start thinking about it that way, and then... so well, and, tor- and, and the fact that 
why would Oryx lead us, you know, to get the yeah. very relics and things that would kill him? Yeah. It, so it just makes no sense. And that's that's the, the big part, the Death Singer part, where it's like, oh, so you're providing us this relic, which is the means to destroy you by tearing us between no I mean to me that is that is Toland. We know that Toland loves to observe guardians fighting the hive. He did the same thing uh when he took the first Crotifire team down there. He observed how they died against the hive. Uh and now he's observing us and he's he he's out there. He can't manifest directly to us, although he is sending us messages somehow. But this is very a very Toland thing. Like, I'll lead you along the path. I'm going to observe how you react to all these things that are around you. And then maybe I'll, I'll help Isla, but I'll provide you the means by which to, to give you an edge here and see if you can actually defeat these things. Yeah, and I love it because in the Grimoire, he, the, the King's Fall Grimoire, he, he describes it as if he was there, you know, as if he was there right when Oryx was defeated. Because he talks about, you know, why are you leaving this vacancy? Like, why are you leaving? Where are you going? And it's like, clearly he's, he was there observing the whole thing. And so it, it really seems to fit that he may have been the one helping us defeat orcs and these other yes. enemies. And he seems, he seems invested in those grimoire entries there at the end. He seems invested in it. Like, wh- where are you going? Like, I, I did all these things right. He's for like, you. Don't you just realize you like how point? I guided you, how I just helped yeah. you. And now you're just walking away. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm personally a huge fan of that of that theory, uh, but that brings us to sort of where he is now. That that brings us to Toland the Ascendant, uh, this sort of version of Toland as he exists now, uh, after sort of, I mean, essentially dying after hearing Eryut's death song, uh, but then being able to redefine himself uh, and sort of perpetuate beyond just the simple matter of death. Uh, he mentions this in the grimoire, and he also mentions this during uh, that last rites mission. Not last rites, I'm sorry. Uh, during Lost to Light, where he said we we've been looking at death the wrong way. Uh, you know, we've we've squandered. Like, if death is a gift, we're looking at it as the end. But the hive know that it's not. It's like one more step. Right, and this this is something that I will go into a lot on the books of sorrow episode and i i hope it makes sense <laughs> it's the sword it's kind of the sword logic and it has a lot to do with this and so everyone listening stay tuned for episode four i will i will cover it and attempt to make sense of it for you yeah. and toland has a great quote in that uh from his journal which said you know it's been said that which does not kill me makes me stronger but what does that mean in the face of immortality <laughs> Okay, so yeah, and in the show notes here, just as a kind of an ending thing, you have a note here that Toland, as amazing as he is, bears a lot of similarities to something else or someone else from a book. Yeah, so in, in Ghost Fright, this is sort of a meta thing. Now we're talking about sort of the inspiration maybe behind Toland himself. Right. Uh, we have this great quote from Ghost Fragment Hellmouth, uh, where Toland says, I want to appear in the tower and taunt them. Low, low, I never sleep. I dance in light and shadow. I never sleep. I will never die. I will never die. That 
that quote is remarkably similar to the last paragraph. And, and I have to, I just realized because I just barely made this connection. The point where he says he dances between light and shadow, that really does sound like being torn between the dimensions, right? True. It also sounds like Marasov's quote about being awoken. <laughs> right. Okay. Anyway, can, uh, please continue. But that 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 quote is remarkably similar to the last paragraph of a 1985 book called Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy, which is an amazing, amazing book. Uh, but the last paragraph in that book, there's this great line that says, uh, his feet are light and nimble and he never sleeps. He says that he will never die. He dances in light and in shadow and he is a great favorite. He never sleeps, the judge. He's dancing, dancing. He says that he will never die. Uh, and as if you're familiar with the book Blood Meridian, there's a lot more like sort of interesting references from that book that show up uh, in sort of Toland and the Hive storyline. Uh, it you know things that are out of place in time or or millennia old, uh, things about causality and sequence and final shapes. Uh, this philosophy that war is God. Uh, or the ability for a being to become a ruler who rules even when there are other rulers, so their power overrides all others. These themes from Blood Meridian are make their presence known in a lot of what Toland says and in a lot of what sort of the hive have come to represent. So it's sort of an interesting reference point there. I would greatly encourage any of our listeners uh, who have never read Blood Meridian uh, to pick it up. It's sort of, although all these uh, sort of concepts exist. It's, it is a Western. Uh, so even if you're a fan of things like the Dwindler's Ridge saga, which we'll talk about later, and we previously mentioned Thorn, it's very much along those lines. It's an amazing book. Uh, and then other than that, uh, also, sort of, we're going to end this on a, a, a somewhat hilarious note. Man, Toland incredibly quotable character as well <laughs> uh we get that great line from ghost saying that uh that toland probably wasn't any fun at parties uh but given some of his quotes on some of the items that we encounter in the game talking about flensing people apart molecule by squirming molecule and how life is pain and pain is power and then power is life it's like man uh <laughs> yeah he probably was no fun at parties but he's probably hilarious uh, I'm, I'm happy with the voice actor they chose for Toland. Uh, I was reading on Reddit a bit when somebody said that they were surprised by that voice where he sounds like this sort of like nerdy, obsessed guy. But that's exactly what he was. Uh, you know, he was sort of, he was, he considered himself an old man, but he was very much, and I, I used this phrase uh, to describe him when I was thinking to him in my own head. It was like, man, he's like an otaku trapped in his favorite anime. Like he is, He's so excited and so thrilled to be there. And it may not have been quite what he was expecting, but he wants everybody to know about it. So he just starts like he's he's awkward and funny, but it's because he's so passionate and obsessed with this one particular thing. Right. Which probably sounds a lot like us. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, so, yeah, there we have it. That's the sort of like the the brief history of Toland. Uh Toland the the shattered, Toland's journal, and now Toland the ascendant. And again, he is he's a bridge. He's a bridge for us between what happened with the guardians in the hive previously, 
uh, and then where we're headed in the future, and also as a bridge for us on this podcast between our last episode and our upcoming episode, which is going to be, pardon the phrase, a monster of an episode. Yes, yes, we will attempt to make, well, we're not even going to attempt to make it through the Books of Sorrow, but we are going to to try and deep dive on some very important segments. <laughs> So I'm looking forward to it. And we're, we're going to see Toland pop up again and again uh, in all these things. And the philosophies and the concepts that he has given to us in the journal, we'll see them show up as, you know, actual realities within the Books of Sorrow themselves. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for us. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you're looking for to get in touch with us or if you've got your own theories about Toland or or the spark or being torn between dimensions or anything like that, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. That's at D ghost stories or shoot us an email at destiny ghost stories at gmail.com. We sort of love to get these, uh, the feedback from you guys. And we love the, some of the questions you guys have been asking. So I think we'll tackle some of those in our long form cast, but and you guys ask great questions and we, we love doing the research to find the answers for them. Yes, we do. All right. Uh, I'm drop slash. Uh, and I'm Beta. And that'll Be- do Beta it. Chieftain. <laughs> <laughs> that'll do it for uh, Ghost Whispers Episode 4, Toll on the Ascendant. Thanks so much. <laughs>